Upside play, our 2023 top fantasy MLR ranking reveal continues this offseason. And with Matt and myself being former nines, this week's reveal is our bread and butter. We break down the top scrum has from the 2023 fantasy MLR season and learn it's all about upside, upside, upside. We, of course, also break down the latest news and notes from around the league. The Fantasy Rucker Show starts right now. Where rugby and the world of fantasy sports collide. Welcome to the Fantasy Rucker Show, bringing fantasy rugby to the masses, talking all things rugby from the MLR to leagues around the world. We're on top of it. Headphones on, pads off. This is the Fantasy Rucker Show. Now, here are your hosts, Ryan Yee, Matt Yee, and Devin Vanderpool. What's up, everybody? This is episode number 79 of the Fantasy Rucker Show. Thank you so much for our Fantasy Ruckers League members, our community members, and everyone else tagging along on this journey of trying to make fantasy rugby a reality in the MLR. As always, Matt Yee, Devin Vandy Vanderpool, and of course, myself, Ryan Yee. And guys, hey, it's a bread and butter episode. I like you said at the top of the show. Matt and I being former nines. This is the episode we've been waiting for all offseason long so far to break down the scrum half rankings um, a little bit better from our prediction side of things just because we have a little bit more experience from the position. I don't know. Give us a little bit of credit, Matt. I think I think I give no credit. uh, Never credit. (laughs) I hate to break it to the people, Ryan, but you don't start off a show with lying to people, Ryan. It's bad. I'm going to suck. What are you talking about? Well, you know, pretty- Vandy, you can't come back here. You know, you can't come back here on the show and just start calling. One show up. removed. The people love me because I say what I want. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay, buddy. Whatever. Whatever you say, man. We'll get to the rankings. We'll see what happens. I don't have that that much faith in us, but hey, at least Ryan's talking- got some faith. What in are us. you talking about? I don't know. I have. I have. I broke down the predictions. I broke down the top five rankings, and I think we yep. did pretty good. And we're gonna we're gonna break that all down in this episode, of course. Like we said at uh, at the top of the show, it is the Scrum Half episode. We're gonna reveal the top five Scrum Halves from the 2023 Fantasy MLR season. Of course, break down some news and notes as well. Uh, the latest ongoings around the league. I know it is the off season, like we mentioned last episode. Kind of getting into those dog days. You can always tell uh, because James Dealey's tweets when it comes to latest news uh, from around the league are, are starting to thin out a little bit but it's okay we got a lot to break down there we got all that those positions to break down um and it's going to be an exciting one uh kind of breaking down and nitpicking uh this scrum hat position because it was an interesting one here uh on how you were going to approach that position in your fantasy lineups in the 2023 fantasy mlr season um but i think before we get into any of that though we got to talk about matt you you trying to start looking like vandy or something if you're watching on the youtube video or if you're listening on the podcast uh matt's growing out a little bit of a caterpillar on his upper lip there obviously vandy has had that going for a long time matt what are you trying to do you're trying to embrace the vandy look here i get it oh you know you gotta see it once a week i don't blame you buddy look i definitely don't want to look like last place all right that's not my goal but (laughs) i've never been last place i am i am growing the bad boy out seeing what can happen i've never done it before so i'm seeing i'm seeing what it can come to from what i see it looks pretty good how long it goes uh oh I appreciate that. Man. I don't know. I think you can. I, I appreciate our, that coming from you. I think our YouTube uh, watchers can barely see it. The fact that Vandy had that to go too. up close to the screen to see it uh, is, is I think, a, a telling sign. But hey, the, it's the effort that counts, man. You know, it got to start somewhere. Day. At one point, at one point, <laughs> you know, Vandy, Vandy had to go through this 
these growing pains with the hair on the top of his head. Yeah. Right now, oh, you know? <laughs> buddy, it's still not there. I don't think it's ever coming back, no matter how long I wait. <laughs> all right well hey if you aren't already uh make sure you're following us on socials at the fantasy ruckers um uh, got a whole bunch of fun stuff over there obviously you'll be latest into know yeah. again like we mentioned we're still trying to make this fantasy mlr thing a re- reality i gotta i gotta give yeah. a shout out um uh there was an article posted on the rugby network talking about how uh fantasy rugby uh implemented in the mlr was kind of an iffy one um over well, the it course. sucked ryan it sucked we don't <laughs> well, have to we don't have to beat around the bush here they try to make me pay for cards fair enough fair enough and i mean the article uh headlined as fantastic failure uh which i think just kind of uh shows it for itself but hey uh we came out and said hey you know what wasn't a fantastic failure and was actually a fantastic success was the fantasy ruckers here trying to make fantasy mlr reality and uh we're going to do that um and again you're going to be able to find out all about that once we're able to do that on our socials at the fantasy ruckers um we also got a discord community that's been uh that that's great to be a part of a lot of chatter there when it comes to fantasy mlr mlr as a whole and just rugby in general a lot of fun over there hey we mentioned every episode too we got a website the fantasy check out all the the stats up there the fantasy stats how the 2023 season all shook out um when it comes to fantasy perspective when it comes from a numbers perspective if you're just an mlr junkie it's a great place to start um and 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 eat up your time here in the off season as we continue to count down the days even though it's still early in the off season count down the days to the 2024 season and that chat's about a pickup. We're getting into the Rugby World Cup. All right. I'm going to start getting a little loud in there. <laughs> you want to find a, a group that wants to talk about rugby and the Rugby World Cup and all the drama that goes with it. Or if you just want to make fun of Matt. Yeah, that's well, fine. Well, it's fine. I mean, you're starting to see a lot of the. Uh, I saw the post with Japan arriving in France uh, for the Rugby World Cup. It's it's an exciting time here for international rugby. Obviously, Matt and myself rocking the international kit. Matt, you got the All Blacks jersey going. Uh, I reluctantly yeah, have my Wales uh, quarter zip going here. If you're listening on the podcast, but we're just excited, excited for some international rugby, and of course, there is some MLR representation there as well uh, in the World Cup. So it'll be it'll be fun to watch that all, and and of course, that will be definitely a talk point both in the in the community discord and here on the fantasy rucker show as we get closer and closer to uh the 2024 rugby world cup uh but like always hey let's 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 get into it first before we get into the scrum half top five breakdown let's get right into some news and notes and to kind of shift gears to kind of a more um you know sadder news uh it's it's really hard to kind of um you know, say this in the right way, just because of how big of an impact he had, not only for the club that he was such a big part of and, and such a big part of starting, but also just a part of um, the growth of Major League Rugby. It was announced last week that uh, Bill Webb, uh, the president of the Toronto Arrows, passed away uh, due to an illness that he was fighting. Um, really, really, really sad news because obviously uh, Bill was a, a fantastic part of the Toronto Arrows, what they, how they all started and was a major part right up to this point in terms of growing uh growing rugby not only from a torontonian perspective i should say but also just from a a a canadian perspective he was very instrumental he was passionate about it you could tell um and he's he's a big big loss for the the rugby community especially in canada and in toronto yeah and i mean when you think about the arrows you kind of you just automatically think about bill webb uh the guy has, has been with them you know really from the start and uh, he is the reason why the arrows are the arrows that they are today, and and the reason why the arrows are kind of the represent, you know, the representation of Canada uh, when it comes to professional rugby. 
Uh, but yeah, uh, sad news. Sending out, you know, lots of lots of love to uh, to the family. I know a couple of his, both of his sons, I think, play in the uh, the age grade sides for Canada. So, uh, yeah, they're probably going through a tough time. But uh, but yeah, it's sad news to hear. Yeah, and, and a message from the Toronto Arrows coming out. Uh, Bill was our trailblazer, the father of the Toronto Arrows. He was widely respected and admired for his passion, his vision, and his leadership. Again, just a, a huge loss for uh, not only the Toronto Arrows, but uh, uh, but rugby as a whole when it comes to to that sport in Canada. So, um, yeah, our, our condolences to to uh, the, the Webb family. Um, I should note this out as well. They had mentioned in their statement that um, in lieu of flowers, uh, the Webb family respectfully requested donation be made in memory of Bill uh, to a foundation that Matt you you uh, uh, donated to uh, when with your winnings uh, from the past fantasy MLR season the Toronto inner city rugby foundation turf um, he also they also mentioned the Can- Canadian Cancer Society as well or true Patriot love so um, make your contributions there um, if you can um, just to to show your condolences uh, uh, to to the Webb family and what Bill Webb really meant to to rugby as a whole in in Canada and in Toronto and honestly I in Major League Rugby as a whole because he was one of the obviously original original members in terms of creating these teams Toronto has been a part of it um, since uh, since the beginning so um, again uh, just uh, condolences to the Webb family but uh, all right let's get let's get into some more uh, roster uh, uh, news obviously uh, we might be in the off season, but still you know teams are making moves teams are are trying to establish what they're going to put out on the pitch in this 2024 season um, and and it's been a, a, quite a busy one here for the offseason uh, a couple moves uh, I would say the the biggest team or the most active team here being the Dallas Jackals they're they're making trades uh, they're signing players uh, the 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 most recent one being uh, the signing of Welsh flanker Ben Fry uh, for the 2024 season he's a 24 24 year old uh, former Wales U20 player he comes from uh, overseas from uh, the uh, Dragons RFC um, and again I think this is a, a great signing for the Dallas Jackals in terms of getting some some international uh, I guess skill here into their side as they continue to develop and make those next steps in their franchise here to continue improving yeah, a bit, uh, you know, a bit surprising that it's not another South American that's coming to the <laughs> Dallas Jackals. But hey, uh, I think it's a it's a great pickup for them. They just lose um, Con- Conrado Rua. Mm-hmm. They just lose Conrado Rua. They pick up another flanker, uh, young guy, twenty four years old, coming from the professional team Newport Dragons in the URC, um, and I think captain U twenty uh, Wales at one point. So. Should be a good pickup for them. Um, honestly, I think that he'll probably have some fantasy relevance coming into this upcoming season. Uh, so yeah, yeah, should be should be uh, an interesting one. And um, yeah, it, I mean, it's 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 always cool to see guys coming from overseas and, and just interjecting a little bit more skill into the MLR. Um, other Dallas Jackal moves that are being made: uh, they re-sign uh, Tommy Milano's uh, center player for them this past season. Did pretty well, 122 fantasy points this past season. Definitely fantasy relevant so um for those who maybe had eyed or is are eyeing tommy tommy milanos as a part of uh their draft board here for the 2024 season um he's returning and he he once again will probably fantasy relevant um in the 2024 season yeah for sure uh, i mean the guy was a, a good late pickup to have had a great end of the end of the season um and uh and yeah he'll be he'll be a guy that's a, definitely on fantasy manager's radar Yep, absolutely. And then uh, shifting on to some other things, uh, a trade. They uh, they receive Evan Conlon. Uh, they trade away a third-round pick to 
the to be named LA team that will be coming in. So that will be, uh, they'll be interesting there. Um, another one, Mitch Eady going overseas to Edinburgh um, as part of the URC. It's pronounced Edinburgh. 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 All right, nice. Got it. Uh, URC, he's going overseas. Um, and then from a Seattle Seawolves perspective, uh, Ben Landry uh, announcing retirement there. Uh, he was obviously a staple part yeah. of the Seattle Seawolves squad, and he's hanging up the boots. By the way, I know Mitch Eady, like has a, a pretty big history with, you know, Bristol Bears and the Premiership and stuff like that, but uh, he did not have that great of a season. I thought he was kind of, you know, he kind of he left a lot to be desired for the Toronto Arrows this season. Kind of surprised he's going overseas, but hey, uh, it is what it is. Still a class player, 100 caps at Bristol, so you have to be. Um, and uh, and yeah, I mean, Ben Landry, I mean, he he was kind of on and off the waiver wire all the time, so. But he was, he was one of the top second rowers yep, in the fantasy season. Sure. 108.2 fantasy points uh, started in all the 14 matches that he's played in the fantasy season. Uh, two tries, 483 meters gained for Landry. Um, so, again, there's uh, boots to be filled there with his departure uh, in Seattle, um, which will definitely make things interesting to see who's going to get that opportunity. And the latest move here, uh, uh, the uh, to-be-named LA team, I guess we'll keep on saying that until oh – uh, until Pick a name. Until uh, – uh, they come out with a little bit more information. I know there's still questions swirling around on social media, on Reddit, about uh, any more information that might be coming with this relocation of Rugby Atlanta. Uh, but, hey, uh, they uh, this L.A. team acquires Yuri Van Vuren from the uh, Utah Warriors for uh, salary bye bye. cap consideration. So, you obviously, heading into the season, Yuri Van Vuren had a lot of uh, a lot of expectations. We had him on our top five. Um, you know, a little bit of disappointing uh, performance from a fantasy perspective, only 57.8 fantasy points. We broke it down um in 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 uh, the previous episodes um but we'll see what he's able to do on this la squad because hunga havili's taking over yeah i mean i was gonna say exactly to that point like he just didn't get the game time this year so uh, i'm not surprised that he probably said hey i'm, I'm looking somewhere else and and yeah. the uh utah warriors just wanted to make sure that they could get something out of it and give it away to the uh the la filtinis the fake guiltinis or something like that. yeah <laughs> The um, and again, I think I think we're we're starting to uh, starting to realize that I think there is a heavy value as we start to navigate as we see more trades uh, continue to go through. Um, you know, throughout the course of us doing this fantasy record show, we're starting to understand kind of the value in these trades and and it's yeah it's like, yeah. What is the uh, value uh, what of cap? What, what, what I'm, say, I'm saying in this one is that it sounds like salary cap considerations do have. See, I don't know about that. I think I think this is like Yuri Van Buren saying, "Hey, look." I'm not, I don't want to come back. Telling you. You have the rights to me. Tax send me to another team. And Utah is saying, all right, well, we'll send you over there. And what we'll get is some salary cap considerations. These owners are using these players as tax write-offs. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> no kidding. No, it's kind of similar to the whole uh, uh, MLB thing where, you know, you, you trade a player for your future money considerations or just a, a lump sum of cash. But um, I guess we're, we're like the old Spider-Man cartoons. They just come in with the brown bag with the dollar sign on it. And... Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But uh, yeah, interesting stuff there. Um, from a roster uh, moves perspective, that about wraps it up. But Matt, you do have uh, a little bit of stuff you want to talk oh. about when it comes to the MPC Bunnings Cup. Well, I have to bring it up because the Manawa two turbos are basically just a bunch of New England free jacks and then Johan Mumps. <laughs> so, so like I have to bring it up because they made history last week. I mean, seventy years. I think it was the last time that they beat Auckland in Auckland. at Eden Park, um, and they did it. And they did it with a lot of contribution from a lot of the MLR guys. 
Q ended up playing, I think, a full 80 because the hooker got hurt or they, they had some front row uh, injuries. Cole Keith ended up playing, I think, 60. Uh, Poland was out there. Bodine Walker came off the bench. I mean, he got gassed by one of the Auckland guys, uh, but it is what it is. Um, and, and, and I mean, a lot of contributions from the, uh, from the MLR into, the, into an historic win for Manawa 2 Turbos. I want to pull up the tape because I'm pretty sure last episode you were not too confident in this turbo side, I should say, or the Manawatu uh, flip flops. This is true. No, no, no. I mean, look, they're they're still out. They're not doing that great in the competition, but they made it one historic win. Good for them. That's well, actually, they won again in the next week too. So, Slade McDowell was a big part of that win. So there you go. They heard you, man. They're trying to. They're Slade trying to. They're trying to, prove, they're trying to prove you wrong there. But uh, yeah. Um. And again, when it comes to the NBC Bunnings Cup, just really cool to see uh Major League Rugby representation over there. Again, should not really have an impact when it comes to yeah. these players coming back to the MLR. Uh, we say this. I feel like almost every single episode. So hey, hey, Alatimu uh, shaved his head, and it's not blonde anymore. I couldn't recognize him. <laughs> I didn't know who he was. It's gonna. And then him. they said Alatimu. I was like, oh. He's here still. It's going to make so him faster. Was... It's it, that's the extra speed he needs at his age to compete with Jordan Chait on that uh, on that starting he did, roster. He did gas a guy. Oh I believe God. it. There you go. There you go. But yeah, so just just keep in mind that all these guys should be back um, for the 2024 season and, and making a fantasy impact. So not no if they need play to, too well. No, yeah, not if they play too well. But no, no need to scratch those guys off your draft board just yet for the 2024 season. But all right, well, we we're still got ways away from 2024. We still got to talk about 2023, and we've been breaking down position by position the top five players, um, and and we're going to continue to do that here. And, and this time we finally, Matt, get to uh, to our expertise, Matt. I know or Vandy, I know. Know you have an affinity towards the big boys and you and you you enjoyed breaking down some of those guys over the course of the past month or so but this is where we get into the tasty stuff and and we got to open it up with uh i would say no bias at all right matt as us the guys who nines. get the glory and don't, don't do the have... work yeah well... you're, you're learning vandy you're learning that's right that's right <laughs> no the nines are the exception to that that's true yeah we do hide behind the big boys but we don't get any glory it's and so we fun. do all the work yeah, it's, a, it's a lot of running around, but yeah, Matt and myself as former nines, uh, we, we, we're going to have a lot of fun breaking down this top five. And it was an interesting yeah. top five as we, mm. uh, as we started getting into it. Um, you know, I mean, I think the biggest thing, and we're, we're going to break it more down once we start getting into kind of the, the reveal of these players, but what I'm understanding as we have been starting to go through these top five position breakdowns is what these certain positions as a whole, not just from the top end, but just as a whole bring to the table from a fantasy perspective. And I think this is only going to provide more clarity for how fantasy managers approach their draft, approach their team build for upcoming years, especially in 2024. And I think that's something that's been really evident. And you're going to, I think, find that out um, here in this scrum half breakdown as well. So let's bring it up. Uh, the top five scrum halves from the 2023 fantasy MLR season are now on your screen. If you're watching on the YouTube, uh, if you're listening on the podcast, let me list it out for you. Number one, J.P. Smith of the Seattle Seawolves coming in at 108 points. Ross Brody coming at number two for the Toronto Arrows at 107.2, so not too far behind. Richard Judd, I know, Matt, he was a favorite of yours, coming at the number three spot for the San Diego Legion, 105.7 points. Got a little bit of a drop-off here. You got John Poland at four for the New England Free Jacks with 91.2 fantasy points, and then Danny Tusitala for Old Glory DC with 90.9. So overall thoughts, when you see this top five, 
guys, what's kind of your your inkling? Is this what you kind of expected? These types of names here in our top five. Uh, obviously, we're gonna have our prediction segment to see whether or not we put pen to paper in our expectation. But just overall, a reaction to seeing these names here in our top five list for 2023. Well, I mean, uh, before the season started, when I drafted Luke Campbell, I expect to see his name up there. But uh, Nola doesn't seem to be able to figure out how to play one guy. You know, hey buddy, you you tried play so the hot hand. you tried so hard to take him away from me, but I had so many plans in the back of my pocket, just pulling them out left yeah. and right, and you take didn't Nate even know which one you take. The hey. six scrum hey. half he was. Notice I was not. Hey, on he that was. List. Notice I was. He not was on the, the top list. scrum. He was the top, top scrum half of twenty twenty three. Top scrum half. No, I don't think so. I don't, I don't see his name here on the list, Matt. Yeah. Something did yeah. happen. You had the intention, but I don't think it was there. But yeah, overall reaction. What, what do you think, Matt? Yeah, you know, I think I think when you look at this list, you know, one, the scrum halves are the front rows of the backs. Sure. You look at the point scoring, what a joke. I mean, the scrum halves, what, we, we don't get any points? You don't get any love in our own league, Ryan? What a joke. Well, you know? I can't control it. I, what do you mean, what a joke? I can't control it. I can't control it. They could, you got to tell them to play better. Start giving, I, out some, start giving out some points for passes. You know what you know? they should do? Give points for, for stomps in the rock or something the like scrum that. Have to position to the guy who needs a water break. Yeah, there we go. Um, but no, the real takeaway though here is, I mean, you look at the top five and, and the one thing that stands out is Tusi Tala sitting at number five. I mean, yeah. with the season he higher. had last year. Yeah. The season he had last year and you'll see our predictions, but the season he had last year is like you expected number one from him yeah. just to the fact that his offensive abilities were next level compared to the likes of jp smith ross brody and john poland last year so he was just a surprise even though five is a definitely an admirable spot it's just you know you expected to see him at one tier one and then everybody else yeah and, and we'll get into danny Tusitala, what he did last season why he was ranked so highly going into it and, and where why, he was drafted why the draft capital yeah. was so high on him as well um but let, let, let's start off with number one all right jp smith uh the seattle seawall nine again 108 fantasy points um yeah incredible season and you were quite happy if you had jp smith on your team especially at that nine slot like you said matt it's kind of the front rows of the back position really not giving you that high ceiling of points but the advantage that you had when you had a guy uh that was able to produce you so much more points than other nine positions you can even argue it was more than the front row position just because there was such a heavy drop off uh from this top five um especially from the from the tops of jp smith to kind of those middle tier nines um it was a huge weekly advantage and he was able to do it in all facets of the game i mean three tries 319 meters gained 112 tackles the big one 13 try assists the most try assists among all nines um in 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 our fantasy pool uh and and then another big one here is the availability i mean out of the 15 matches he played in all 15 of them started in all 15 of them able to get 10 80 plus minute matches in there which is not something that you saw at this nine position very frequently um yeah jp smith was just was just always on the pitch Gave him the opportunity to do a whole lot in the field, which translates to a whole bunch of fantasy points at that nine position. Yeah, and I mean, you look at, you know, Vandy brought up Luke Campbell saying they didn't know which nine to play or Luke Campbell was hurt or didn't end up playing all the games. But you look at all these top five guys, there's one guy that stands out as starting 15 and playing 15. You look at every guy down the list, they never started, they never played all 15 games. Even when you look at Tuzi Tala, you know, he only, he only ended up uh, playing 14. Or starting 14. Um, but for me, JP Smith is kind of the uh, stereotypical, prototypical, bigger nine, you know, racking up the tackles, racking up the tri assist, 
not necessarily a guy who's going to get it to you with the meters gained or the tries, um, but a guy that's going to get you the points with by, by doing all the stuff that you expect from nines. Um, and the fact that he's available f- for the entire season and you know that he's a for sure start for the Seawolves, uh, that just adds that a, a little bit of insurance for him. And something that you're going to kind of start to realize here as we start going through these nine positions, when you start, when you look at it and you go to the fantasyworkers.com and you, you check out these players and what they were able to do on a weekly basis, the, the volatility from this nine position was a whole bunch. There'd be a whole, whole <laughs> lot of weeks where the nine position for you was getting, you know, less than five points, less than four points. Um, and, and, and it was very rare uh, that they were, you know, on a consistent basis getting you in those closer to double digit scores. But the thing that separates, I think, these nines that are on this top five list, especially in J.P. Smith's case, is their ability, their ceiling to get you those double-digit performances, to approach on 15-point performances, Mm -hmm. 18-point performances. And and J.P. Smith was able to do that five times this season, five double-digit performances um, here for for J.P., which was was, – is solid. Um, I mean, when you can have that ability – um, and and be able to uh, get that. Um, excuse me. I should say three double-digit fantasy point performances. Nice count. Um, uh, yeah, nice count in there. But anyways, still a high fl- a high ceiling there for you to get those number of points, which is not something that you see from a nine all the time. Um, I mean, a nine getting 18 fantasy points, you're very likely to win that week if you have J.P. Smith at that nine position in your fantasy starting lineup um, when he produces you like that, just because scrum half is such a a, 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 a low position in terms of fantasy production. Um, he was kind of that outlier there that had that ability to, 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 to do that because of his involvement, because of him being on the field. Um, he may not have been able to score tries every single week, but when he does, did, it really pushed those those weeks where he was contributing at, from the try assist perspective, when he was getting some meters gained there, um, and he was getting that 80-plus minute bonus point. It just gave you that much higher of a point total there when he was able to, to find that try line and, and, and score a few extra points. Yeah, and I mean, as for scrum ass, it's like as long as they play, as long as they get out there, you just hope that they're there and they have a chance. Yeah, I like that. That was the thing about the position. You look at the top five; <clears throat> it was almost hard to, I guess, in fantasy, like chase the points. You know what I mean? After yeah. a big thing, you drop Fab, you do all that, and you notice between Ross Brody, Richard Judd, Poland, JP Smith, all those guys, they follow up a very good week with like a very mediocre week. You know, it's just a position, like you just said, Matt. You kind of start, you hope for the best, but you don't really chase the points. You almost yeah. hope to get ahead of them, you know? Like I said at the top of the show, I think the scrum app position, which we're going to learn here throughout this episode, is that it's an upside position, right? Mm-hmm. There's very few guys that are going to give you that upside. Um, these top five guys, J.P. Smith especially, is going to give you that upside, which is which is what you're searching for, like you said, Vandy. Um, let's get to two. Uh, you mentioned him, uh, Vandy. Ross Brody for the Toronto Arrows, just behind J.P. Smith, 107.2. Uh, he was able to do it in a little bit different way, though. Six tries on the season. For the nine position, that's that's pretty good stuff. 460 meters gained. He was the only, um, the only uh, scrum half that was able to uh, rack up a triple-digit meters gained performance. Again, we're talking about upside. Ross Brody has that ability i know that a lot of that probably came from a a big scoring play and and things like that but not many nines have that ability or have that athleticism to be able to do that uh three try assists again pretty available started 12 of the 14 matches that he appeared in um pretty solid stuff for the 2023 season for uh for ross brody yeah and and you know ross it's surprising to see him up here just because of the way that the team performed usually you know you look at all the other guys on this on this list it's like 
Old Glory DC had a pretty decent season. New England Free Jacks, obviously the champion. San Diego Legion, the finalist, right? And you look at Seattle Seals. These nines are coming from try-scoring teams and offensive teams and guys that are, are good teams. And you look at Ross Brody sitting up here. Um, I think it's it's impressive to see him. And, and he's always been that. Ever since we've seen him kind of blow up in the league, he's always been that threat to score, whether that's off a quick tap, whether that's off a snipe off the side of a ruck. Uh, he's always been that guy, and that's just the type of game he plays, and it helps out in fantasy. Yeah, four double-digit fantasy performances on the season, even more than J.P. Smith. Just couldn't keep up from that tri-assist perspective. It's really, really ah, different. You but you'd, you'd argue, I, I, mean, that, I mean, you can't do anything when your team scores like four tries on the season. I mean, it's true. It's true. So yeah. I honestly, you could flip-flop J.P. Smith, Ross Brody, at least if you were to extrapolate this out. I think they're very close in terms of uh, being, from a fantasy perspective, the top nines that you want there. Uh, but oh. a guy that we also need to mention here to kind of throw into that mix is Richard Judd. And he was kind of a, a surprise this season. Uh, Richard Judd going on drafted in the uh in the fantasy Rutgers league jp smith um i should say was drafted with the eighth uh pick in the second round ross brody uh with the fourth pick of the sixth round richard judd no capital being used there matt i know you picked him up and scooped him oh, he, was yeah, a, he was a big piece of your your uh fantasy <laughs> run um and and richard judd kind of did it similarly to to how brody did it seven tries which is incredible for a nine again 389 meters gained four try assists he started in all 12 matches that he appeared in and again kind of to the same effect of what jp smith was like when he was on the field and when he was starting he was on the field for the whole entire match seven of those 12 matches were 80 plus minutes um getting that bonus point guaranteed richard judd solidified him in in the fantasy realm as being one of the top nines after the season which is something that i don't think a lot of people predicted obviously the whole nate oxberger situation the expectation that he was going to be at that nine position and him moving to the back three kind of added to that mix there and, and we'll get more into that uh but i mean richard now. judd 105.7 single game is a nine and he came in he came in every time he came in off the wing right into that scrum half spot when richard judd said look i'm out i'm done for the day and uh but back to richard judd i mean pfft. he was the best nine in the mlr he might be number three in fantasy but he was the best nine in the mlr this year i, I think if he played get out of here if he played 15 games i mean what what's that gap three points 2.3 mm -hmm. points if he played 15 games which obviously is a big if because we're talking about availability is you know is the best ability kind of thing um you know he, he plays 15 games he's number one by a mile you look at the way that his season went and we talk about guys with upside i mean he was one of the few nines that i think actually had a good floor you know yeah. he actually yeah. had a decent floor because one the way the san diego legion played and two the way that he played you knew that he was going to be coming in there um and running support lines you knew that he was going to be kind of keeping up with the tackles and getting points from the tackles um and it was just like Watching him was just, you knew that he was going to do well on an offense that was always seeming to break the game line and scoring tries. And at the end of the day, that's going to help out the nine position and get them more points. Yeah, six double-digit fantasy performances um, out of six. those 12, which is pretty pretty incredible. And you talk about floor, Matt. Only uh, three of the matches there did he score below three points. Um, every other match, he was at least scoring above five, which is, I think, pretty solid for the nine position. Um, and again, uh, half of those matches were double-digit performances, which is which is solid. And again, you extrapolate that out to 15 matches if he could you know, keep up with the availability of J.P. Smith. Um, we're talking about Richard Judd as being the best fantasy nine um, in, in, in 
in 2023. Um, I agree with you. I think he was the best nine uh, when it comes to just a rugby perspective as a whole in 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 uh, in Major League Rugby. So he was a benefactor to how the Legion did. Whatever. Yeah. So again, those Whatever. top three guys. When I think about it, though, uh, those top three guys, I think benefactor were tier, were tier one. Tier one, I think you would be happy um, if you had selected any of those guys in whatever order. You were content with kind of having those guys, and you know that those guys are going to be those top nines there. This is where kind of the drop-off starts to begin with this four and five position in our top five. We shift on over to number four with John Poland as part of the New England Free Jacks. 91.2 fantasy points. Um, still solid. Availability was part of it. Yeah. Started in 11 of the, the matches that he played in. Um, still was able to score a whole bunch of tries. Six tries, 347 meters gained, uh, six try assists. Um, John Poland still still adequate for uh, for the, the the New England Free Jacks. Just the, the, the 80 minute plus wasn't there all the time, so he wasn't getting you those bonus points uh, consistently. Um, you know, here on and here out, but. Uh, nonetheless, though, he he had that ability, though. Like I said, what you're going to see in this top five, that ability to score double-digit fantasy points, did that in, in five of the matches that he played in this season, um, had that ceiling. Um, and, and again, you could argue that his four wasn't that low, too, but just his availability, only 11, uh, four less matches than the than J.P. Smith um, could contribute to that him being, you know, 15 points lower. Then, then, and then you'd be maybe talking about him being in that tier one. Uh, but again, John Poland, though, still solid at the nine position coming at four. Yeah. And I, I think debatably he is, uh, he, you know, points don't say it, but yeah, I think he should be among, you know, the Richard Judds, the Ross Brodies, the, the JP Smiths. I know we're looking at fantasy points, obviously, but, uh, but yeah, he was the type of guy that you were kind of scared to go up against uh, in a week in a matchup because you knew that he had the possibility of going off. On a team, like Vandy said, you know, he's a, also a benefactor of the New England Free Jacks because the way that they put off defenses on the back foot with their offense, it gives him the ability to kind of have more space, have more time. Um, I think he kind of ran into, you know, a New England Free Jacks team that also had Kieran McLee to rely on as well, who had some really good games. Um, but, you know, John Poland's class, and he had a, he had a class season, even though he's sitting at fourth. I think he could have easily been broken that hundred mark and been part of some of those tier one tier one scrum half. You forgot about one scrum half on uh, Free Who? Jacks. Who? Holden Who? Younger, baby. Oh my god. The yogurt. They did not put trust in the yogurt. Okay, they didn't need the chops coming off the bench every game. All right, they yeah. didn't need it. Well, the, where the was one his? Thing... Where is he a better factor? My first year, eh? He wasn't a benefactor of anything. That's why I just said, where was that? Yeah, I know, but the New England Free Jacks, they said, nah, we don't want to give any of the old yogurt over there. Yeah, I don't blame them. But uh, nonetheless, though, I mean, uh, to be fair, uh, I think the one thing that does prevent him from hitting that ceiling that you may expect from J.P. Smith, that you may expect from Ross Brody, where you may expect from Richard Judd, is just that, you know, him being on the on the on the pitch for the entire 80 minutes i mean there were one one match that he got that 80 minute bonus three matches where he was on the field for more than 70 minutes but outside of those matches i mean he's got he's hovering around that 60 minute mark and and being on the field for for an extra quarter of the the match it does make a difference in terms of fantasy points production hey, there that's something to key on when you go into next season right like nine distribution of time is as much of a play as, as much as up to the player as it is a coaching decision. You know, we go back in history, you go to the, the English team where they chose, hey, we're going to split up Danny Karen, Ben Young's. Ooh, 50, history lesson. 50-30, right? Mm -hmm. You go to some coaches will enjoy playing 70 minutes, play a nine for 70 minutes, put the guy off the bench for 10. 
or allow the guy to play for the full full thing. Sure. You know, you you should look at this as kind of a sign of the way that the New England Free Jacks are running their substitutions and understand that, look, you're not going to get the 80 minutes from John Pullen. That's just how the New England Free Jacks are and just how they will be. Uh, but you got to know that, hey, you're going to get your points elsewhere and and you don't have to be worried about getting those 180-minute points. All right, well let's let's uh, let's shift on over to the number five spot to round like out the top five. Uh, Danny Tusitala, um, so much expectation. I'll add that John Poland was drafted in the uh, four, second fourth round was the second pick. Um, Danny Tusitala was the highest drafted player uh, from the scrum half position um, heading into we the twenty twenty three season. Hmm? We talked about him as a bust at one point. Danny, yeah. we did talk about him as a bust at one point. Uh, but yeah, I mean, first round pick, fourth overall. Um, Danny Tusitala, 90.9 fantasy points, still gets into that top five, but I just think that it's a little bit of a disappointing season. What you were expecting out yeah. of Danny Tusitala. Based off draft capital. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, three tries, 364 meters gained, five tries, started uh, 14 of the 15 matches he appeared in, eight 80 plus minute matches. So it was there. It was just that same explosive ability that you saw that was going to make him different than everybody else. Just his tendencies to, um, you know, snipe and attack the line and, and, and be a part of some of these fantasy point scoring opportunities just wasn't there here in the 2023 season, still an yeah. adequate season for Danny Tusitala just didn't reach the expectation, which is why it kind of leaves a little bit of a sour taste in your mouth, despite him being in the top five, just not there wrapping it up with 90.9 fantasy points on the season. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, you look at him and he played. Look, he has no excuse in terms. Yeah, I was of just gonna say, right? it's not like John yeah. Lefevre or whatever. What's Lefevre. his Lefevre. Yeah. It's not like he was taking any minutes. Just <laughs> no. Tusi Tyre just wasn't getting it done. Yeah, and I mean, he came off the bench what one game, and it was like everybody was like going, it was going bananas because he was coming off the bench. They can't remember the last time Tusi Tyre came off yeah. the bench, but I think he just kind of lost his. You know, the one column I look at is the tries. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think in this column, he just kind of, that's where he was the kind of guy. Well, you go he eight weeks guy. dry on tries, like, and you're exactly. a first round pick. That's tough. And you, and you score, I mean, you don't, you expect him to score and be the top scoring scrum half, like, and debatably competing with some of the other backs, you know, mm-hmm. the other positions yep. with tries. And old glory um, looked better this year than last year too. Yeah. Exactly. So I think he just had a down year. You hope the next year he goes back to the form of Danny Tusitala. I think we saw it in spurts. Uh, we saw it in, in moments. Uh, we just didn't get that consistency that we were so used to seeing uh, seeing from him the year before. I mean, it does go to a, a also kind of to your point, Matt, before about kind of the coaching versus player perspective. Like, I don't think Danny Tusitala um, – necessarily got any worse but there might just be an emphasis more on instead of you know giving him more opportunity uh finding those scoring opportunities at least from a game planning perspective through other ways uh, not not as heavily reliant at, on Danny Tusitala's playmaking ability to kind of uh you know create something um in terms of you know attacking yeah. either the way they did but yeah so you still expected more I think the big thing here is that he had his moments I mean three double digit fantasy performances yep. on the season but none of them were groundbreaking double-digit fantasy point performances. You look at all the other nines, you look at Richard Judd, you look at J.P. Smith, you look at Ross Brody, um, you even look at John Poland. They had games where they exceeded the 15-point mark, right? You had Richard Judd who, who approached on the 20-point mark. Danny Tuzal just didn't have that. So not in addition to having a low floor of him this season, 
you also didn't get that high ceiling, which is, again, why you kind of are left with this sour taste in your mouth um, with him being at that five position. And then it kind of lends itself to the conversation of, at least in my per- in, in my perspective, after breaking down this top five and seeing um, the way that the nine position shook out, at least from the fantasy world, I would not spend high draft capital on this nine position. If it falls to you in that yeah. in, in the right spot, in the right place, then, hey, you take the guy. If J.P. Smith is there for you, if Richard Judd is there for you, um, then you, you want to snag that. But on the basis that you have other more important points producing positions filled out here. I think to your point, Vandy, um, it's hard to spend your fourth overall pick, you know, your first pick of your fantasy MLR draft on a nine that's not going to score you that many points, or at least the risk of not scoring you yeah. that many points on a yeah. consistent basis. I think and- that, that's the big thing. Yeah, but I, I think like, you know, I I think there was something to be said about having a nine that could put up points. Like, yeah. there was something that only only three or four teams in our league had, right? Yeah, but then you and, could get like some guys like uh, like even Connor McLeod on Utah at the second true. half of yeah, the season. Weeks, right? He came off like, you know, Luke Campbell had weeks. You know, just I'm talking yeah, outside Carlo, the yeah. top five, like. Carlo Denishin also had his weeks as well. Yeah. Now I so, will say, but though, it's just impossible to chase these guys for points. Yeah. Right. Right. And I mean that that's what makes it interesting, though, is because, like I said, kind of at the start of our breakdown, is that when you compare Matt, you had the comparison between the front row of the backs. Like I think the drop off here from a points perspective is so much faster mm-hmm. than the front row position. I mean, you look at JP Smith at 108 points as your number one scrum half of the fantasy 2023 season. And then you go not too far further. You go, you know, eight positions down to Carlo Denation, uh, uh scrum half for Houston, 65.4. So he's almost yeah. scoring half the amount of points, yeah. right, True. that J.P. Smith is scoring. And he's still in your top 10. You know True. what I'm saying? So it, it's this kind of this, this, this weighing factor that you have to kind of play out here, especially when you approach, you know, when your build of, of next season and how you're going to approach the 2024 draft is what is the, the cost and benefit from this? What is the mm-hmm. benefit of having a player like JP Smith? And what is the cost of you giving up another position at that? I think there's going to be a sweet spot in the middling round. Yeah. I think that JP Smith's value at that late second round was a good one. I think you're happy with that, but I don't think you're going to see any nines going in the first round for sure and in the early second round, unless you have guys there that are already filled out that are you know that are going to score you points. Again, to your point, Vandy, it's just you can't rely on the scrum half position with its volatility, um, despite the advantage that it might give you um, to be the basis of yep. your team and the foundation of your fantasy team yeah. it's gonna be interesting and i think this is that that's what this reveals yeah. um maybe maybe it could shake out completely differently if danny tusitala has a season next year about you know that it's just so different than all the other nines that we were expecting last year we could be saying a completely different thing yeah but at least the way the 2023 shook out that's what the scrum hat position is really looking like to me yeah i think the nine is just basically you gotta have your ear to the ground more you gotta look for is there guys behind them you know you, you're chasing minutes and you're just Trying to make sure, you know, teams like Dallas, you know, use three scrum halves. Houston used three scrum halves. Uh, New York used, or Rugby Atlanta, New York used four. Like, you know, the, the, there's a reason these guys didn't rank anywhere. There, there's 100 points in scrum halves there. They're just spread out yeah. between three guys. Right. Right. And I, and I get it. There's a fear there, too, right? When you approach the drive, especially because how quick the drop-off happens. Yeah. Once you pass those top five guys – there starts to be an urgency now where it's like, mm-hmm. crap, I don't want to be left with, 
you know, trying to stream a nine every single week, but maybe, maybe yeah. that's the, maybe that's the, 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 um, you know, the, one of the strategies you can take, if you don't get one of these top five guys, maybe you just punt the position and that's what you do on a weekly basis. You just find a nine that's starting and you just hope that he's able to do something in that match. It's just, yep. that's kind of the, 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 the brainstorming that this uh, mind exercise kind of gives you as you look at this, this top uh, position. But again, I think that sentiment kind of, it resonates here after breaking down this this ranking here with the scrum after you guys would agree yeah yeah for sure all right well interesting stuff there um now what makes it more interesting is obviously if you've been following along with our 2023 uh fantasy offseason ranking reveal when it comes to these positions you know that matt and myself have not been doing too great in terms of predicting the top fives at each mm-hmm. position but like we said and alluded to last episode and like we alluded earlier in this episode this is i think where it starts to turn around a little bit at least for this position at least for this position because i think matt it would be tough it'd be tough to justify us being solid nines in our playing days if we weren't at least able to do somewhat yeah. adequately enough in the position that we played in so let, let's bring just it up suck at fantasy, right? let, let's bring up the uh the the, the predictions that we had uh heading into the 2023 season for our scrum halves you can see it on uh, your screen here if you're watching on youtube uh if you're listening on the podcast uh, i'll list them out for you here um my predictions heading into the season was danny tusi talad one jp smith two luke campbell three ross brody four and five john poland hey we're seeing a little bit more of the top fives being in our top fives, which is a good yep. start. Might not be in the right order, but it is there. Matt, you're for you. Danny Tusi Tala, again, you had him at one as well. JP Smith, same as me. Luke Campbell at three. The one interesting one, though, is you head into the season with Nate Osberger, the guy that you drafted, that you intended for him to be at your Stop nine position. One. And uh, and he ended up not even starting at the scrum app position once all season long. Um, ended up being back one. three. Nate Osberger, so you see the the not applicable on uh, on your uh, ranking there, and then Ross Brody at that five position. Um, so again, we'll we'll, go, we'll kind of break down this. We kind of talked about Danny Tusi as a whole, so we'll kind of just glance over him uh, uh, for to start off here. But uh, we both had Danny Tusi with high expectation heading into the season, just didn't live up to expectation. Yeah, uh, it was hard not to put him at the top spot uh, after last year. So yeah. Uh, can't blame us there. Yeah. All right. JP no. Smith, number two. Again, this was a guy that I think there was a little bit of a drop off. He was just, he wasn't to us, at least heading into the season, didn't have that X factor that Danny showed us that he may have in 2022, but was still well, consistent and still, I think still it was, there. it was, it was literally, I mean, for me, I'll speak for myself, but it was literally maybe X factor is your way to put it, but like literally just try scoring ability, right? Like, try scoring upside. That's the only reason we had Ducey Tal over JP Smith. JP Smith, I think we knew, and if you go back to the episode, we knew was maybe the more consistent player, but we knew the upside with Tusi Tala was hard to pass up. Yeah, number three for us, uh, Luke Campbell. Uh, this Oof. was a tough one. Obviously, the pedigree was there. Thought we he was there, was, boys. We thought he was going to do at was the start at, at start of the season. It looked good. Nola well, looked somewhat all right. Yeah, um, but here's but just, the thing: they they couldn't decide. They right? couldn't. Nola Nola came into the year saying, "Damian Stevens, you're starting." We're not gonna we're not gonna just rely on Luke Campbell's kind of uh, accolades to kind of put him into the starting role, and it, it it bit Nola, and we knew we were calling for Luke Campbell to be starting. Yeah. He came in, started playing well. Nola was playing well, um, and then he kind of dropped off uh, and had his ups and downs, and that probably led him to to drop in the rankings at some point. Well, I remember I had I had David Stevens week one because I was like, wow, you might as well have them both if you're gonna have one. 
And yeah. <clears throat> he logged like <clears throat> 45 minutes. I don't yeah. think he got a meter in 45 minutes. A single meter in 45 minutes. No assist. Your life, no. Hey, Mandy. And then I'm like, all right, this man's going to start. That's, that's nothing but a sign. And then, nope. That's a tough one there. But again, yeah. just uh, expectation. I think that's what it was there. Just expectation uh, where Luke Campbell was coming from, obviously from Super Rugby. We thought that he was going to obviously have uh, a bigger impact there. Good coaches, um, bad coaches. But, yeah, I don't drop. know about that. I don't know about that. <laughs> uh, all right. And then number. Hey, I, I just picked the wrong hurricane. I picked the wrong former hurricane. I should have sure. put Richard Judd in this spot. <laughs> It is yeah, what it is. It is what it is. All right. And then speaking of Richard Judd, uh, his, his, the guy that you thought was going to be starting in his place, Matt, is the guy yep. you had number four, Nate Oxberger. He's I mean, from he half one. <laughs> I don't know. If you go on the fantasyruckers.com, you check his uh, eligibility. Don't think he uh, had yeah, started off as scrum half eligibility. I mean, frankly, you take the first few weeks where he wasn't eligible scrum half, he almost gets himself in this top <laughs> no, five. No it's pretty close. It's Brother. pretty close. Week one, he started back three. Yeah, I know. But you have to start three games. He had scrum half eligibility. You got to start three games out of position. And he almost did. He almost cracked scrum half one by only playing three games in the position. <laughs> Wild. It is funny, you know? though. It is it is funny, <laughs> okay, though, wait. that you had, 40, you had him in your top five, 40, right? Five. And... This is the guy that, that close, this, man. You don't actually count it, you clown. This is this is the guy. This is the guy. <laughs> Dude, he ends top ten. He ends I know. top ten for scrum. I know he's right there. <laughs> he does too. I mean, but that 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 just emphasizes, right? That just emphasizes the 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 range of point value. You go it two more weeks, he's number one. Two more weeks, he's number one. Dude, one more week, he almost broke. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy it's crazy but dude, I think nate was what, sick dude nate was sick and i think it just it it played out so perfectly for you matt like it talk did. about talk about he was so dominant bro he talk about so just the, the intention that was there heading into the draft or even during the draft and then oh. just how it how big it benefited you on your way to getting your name me taking your guy place. set you up for a championship Right, it it's true. It was all thanks to you. It's true. It was all Matt, thanks to you. So for for those but, of you who haven't been following along and 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 wasn't around for our 2023 uh, draft show or or, or the the, <clears> the breakdown of it afterwards, uh, Matt was very high, obviously, on Luke Campbell, and he was the guy that he was gunning for um, as his scrum half for the 2023 draft. Vandy ends up stealing the pick. Uh, what yeah. about two or three picks before I believe? Yes, sir. Uh, drafts Luke Campbell. Oh, um, great. And, and and then Matt has to panic draft, and he ends up going Nate Oxberger, who at the time yes, did. had the scrum half eligibility, because um, obviously playing nine for for the Legion last season. Um, but then, like the story writes itself, and everyone knows how it kind of all played out. Nate Oxberger doesn't start at the nine position once this entire season. But not only does he not start there and and switches the back three, he ends up being the one of the best players in all of fantasy based Me. off of a based off of a flub pick. From Matt, uh, Matt during the draft, based on a panic pick, it ends up benefiting you. But again, I guess this is the price you pay. Your your prediction looks a little bit dumb here with Nate Oxford at number four here. In, in yeah, I mean, I guess I, you know I I paid the piper. I didn't know where he was going to start. We knew that he had the back three ability and the ability to excel at back three. He did come in and and play some some minutes at nine throughout the season. He sprinkled it in there and there. But yeah, <laughs> uh, unfortunately, not eligible for the rankings. 
eligible for my rankings. He eligible was in so my heart. good, man. Yeah. But, right. uh, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, and at number four for me, I had Ross Brody again. Um, I mean, looking at it, it, it's, he was there. I mean, all these guys are interchangeable. Uh, I was pretty close. Um, and then at that five position, you had Ross Brody there. Yeah. Um, and then I rounded out with John Poland. Um, I don't remember why, though. Like, was there a reason why John Poland wasn't in your top five? Was he? Just, I'm assuming he was just outside oh, of it. Yeah, he was just outside of it. And there was a guy called Nate Osberger who was sitting there at number four that just <laughs> just had the spot. I mean, to to me, like, when you look at last year, I think John Poland, you know, you compare him to the potential athletic ability and upside of Augsburger because Augsburger, you know, when you think of him as a nine, you really look at him as almost like a Tusitala type guy. Yeah. Uh, he has the athletic ability. He has the offensive threat. Um, and he has the ability to kind of snipe around the corners. And he had that ability last year mm-hmm. uh, in 2022. Uh, so that was really the reason why uh, we talk about nines, right? When you want to score big points you want to get into the top five you got to have an upside and Oxberger would have been a guy that had clear upside in the nine position as well as the back three position yeah no it was interesting but yeah it's it's it's, it's cool to reflect but hey what really matters here is now the score because obviously matt you and i have been tied oh oh and three heading oh, into this uh, into this uh into this well, uh, competition that we're having and it looks like Ryan's taking the lead, baby. Looks uh, like I'm one, getting the baby. win. One zero oh, and three. I don't know if that really works. One. Hey, I think it does. You guys, you guys made me the the middleman, the manager, the whatever you want to call it. That's a the one for Ryan. Burgers two second in the league. A boy. One. So you should just put instead of NA, just put uh, all players. <laughs> no, you know what yeah. he should have done. Did what he did with the second rows and just not put Luke White and Ben Landry. Whatever. Ben Landry's retired. We don't have to talk about him. Yeah, we don't got to talk about Osbergers either because we're in scrum (laughs) hack. So, uh, yeah, so it looks like I have four out of the top – four out of five players who have finished in the top five in my prediction. Got to say pretty dang good. Hey, pretty good shoot, I'm going to get five out of five next year. I'm going to get five out of five this year. Matt, three three out of five for you. That's one more. Add it to the list. One zero oh, and three. Matt, you're zero oh, one and three. Still looking. Uh, Whatever. You still. You still tied. We still tied three times. It's a joke. It's all right. I, I'm just. Uh, it's my my memory. I'm very very. I got I got short term memory here. All I'm thinking about is the scrum half position. All you're I goldfish. know. He's a I goldfish. Yeah, yeah, exactly. you're a goldfish. Um, but yeah, no interesting stuff here. Um, and again, I think the biggest takeaways uh, just to round out this conversation before we wrap up the show here is just I think there's a huge emphasis here that we're learning about the nine and its volatility. I think that there's going to be a little bit more hesitancy to pick a guy, uh, use a whole bunch of draft capital on this nine position. Um, and I think there there's a quick drop-off in these top five guys. And there. yet we're going to see J.P. Smith get picked first round. You yeah. know, Tell baby, I'm it doing right it now. too. Some person's going to pick him up first I know, round. I know. I'm taking LaRue Milotic and, and I yeah. guess to kind to kind of bring it around full circle, I guess the the question that I want to kind of finish off, Matt, you made the comparison between front row and scrum half. In your guys's perspective right now, because they're very similar in terms of point production, would you rather the top front row player or the top scrum half um, heading into the twenty twenty four? If you had a choice between those two, what would you want? I would say just based off of when you kind of turn the light bulb on when you said that JP Smith was over double points that the ten was. Yeah, I, I would I would I would pick the scrum half just purely based off oh, that. I would uh, like Caleb Geiger was thirty points, something like that, behind Sam Maloa. Yeah, yeah, but 
<laughs> I gotta go. I gotta go front row because you just there's so you get more nine, options in so front much, row. You don't get yeah. more options in scrum half. But for me, the nine, just the nature of the position, it comes with so many dependencies, right? It comes with so many dependencies. The front row position to me is like you're inside the five. The front row has a chance to score. That's right. Big right? sex. Like that's yeah, exactly. Because like you get a mall, you get a mall, uh, you get a penalty inside the five, they go for the line out, you got a chance. The nine position, you kind of have to wait for something big to happen, uh, for them to get a try. And uh, you know, I like I like to keep or you do what Connor McLeod does and just like poach those tries, those easy money tries. Uh, that is true. Um, that is true. But I get it, the reason why I bring that up because I think it just emphasizes as a whole, in terms of how you approach kind of these positions, there's two ways that players and these types of positions give you points. Either you're getting the pure point total, which I think the front row kind of represents here. The ceiling is higher from the front row position. You're you're hitting more of the 110, 120 point, you know, kind of totals there. And they, they can more consistently hit that ceiling. But you can also ha- argue that the advantage of having that scrum app position, I think, which the direction you're going with, Vandy, here, is the advantage the that advantage. you get over other teams you know that that's still a point difference there because all it's all at the end of the day it's all about getting more fantasy points than your matchup in that week yeah Yeah. i'll use like a term you hear a lot in football but positional advantage right and it seems like front row and scrum half are those two positions that have those positional advantage right right and you would argue that the scrum half positional advantage is even greater is even greater yeah um so again Again, it's either you're just trying to get as many points you can or you just try to win each position and try to get that advantage at every single slot. It's an interesting one. But again, I think there's a lot to learn here from this uh, this uh, top five scrum half ranking and what we've learned in terms of how to approach the position. Again, I don't think that we're going to see. But maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, I, the fantasy Rutgers League always surprises usually me. are. But uh, um, I, I don't think we're going to be seeing a scrum half being selected here. Even even if it's Richard Judd, even if it's J.P. Smith, um, even if it's Ross Brody, I don't think we're going to see it in the first round. But unless I'll, I'll be remain to be proven wrong. But hey, this is a good one, Matt. I, I I I as a former nine, it's always fun about talking about other nines. Yeah, it's a good time. Uh, but now we go back to what we don't know, and that's <laughs> as the. I as think the we backs, know a little. As, we know a little well, bit. Well, as the backs bit. get faster, <laughs> our brains get slower. That's you true. know. We don't know as much about those fast guys. I don't run at that yeah, speed. I, so I, I played a tiny little bit at ten. So I think next yeah, episode okay. we might be able to might okay. be able to to get by a little bit. But that's what we got coming up in the next episode of the Fantasy Rucker Show. Our off season uh, 2023 top fantasy MLR ranking reveal continues next week. It is the fly halves. We'll continue through the backs. That one's gonna be an interesting one because I think Utah. in comparison, there's a lot more points. This is where the kickers are, and we know how big kicking points are in fantasy uh and, and and the production you can get when you do have a guy that just consistently is able to slot you in those points and we're going to see that next episode um and, and it should be good we got we got th- uh three more to go here fly half center and back three you don't want to talk about bonus you don't want to talk about bonus points get out of here you don't want to talk about practice get out of here you probably wouldn't about even practice? show up to that episode you probably wouldn't even show up you know to that you know in fantasy football vandy that you're not we are not dedicating an episode to defenses you, and won't, teams. you won't talk about practice all right end the episode ryan this guy's going nuts all right well hey for matt e for <laughs> devin vandy vanderpool i'm ryan e this is episode of the fantasy Rocker show fly halves next week we'll see you then vandy you're crazy 
You've been listening to the Fantasy Ruckers Show, bringing fantasy rugby to the masses, covering everything rugby from the MLR and beyond. We hope you enjoyed the show. Make sure to like, rate, and review, and be sure to tell all your friends. We'll be back soon, but in the meantime, connect with us on social media at the Fantasy Ruckers. Till next time, this is the Fantasy Ruckers Show, signing off.